Welcome to Health Naturally on 2 and URFM. Greg Richard today, joined by Dennis Stewart. Great to see you back, Dennis. Good to be with you, Greg. You've got a lovely T-shirt on there and I've got a blazer on. So oh, thanks, yeah. It's a big I'm, difference. Well, I've gone casual and you've gone semi-casual. It's, semi-casual. That'll well, ca- do. That'll do. Casual Fridays. Well, uh, Dennis, uh, you want to talk about a couple of mm. fruit and vegetables today that could help us out? Yeah, look, some very interesting stuff today on things that I've touched on previously but need to be uh, spoken a little bit more about because of some of the new information and some of the new clinical provings associated with two particular fruits or vegetables. One, of course, is the bitter melon, which I've spoken about some time ago, and the other is the common tomato. Common tomato, yeah, right. Yeah, how do these things relate to health problems? Very, very significantly. We'll look at them. Now, Dennis, you mentioned a couple of well, vegetables and mm, fruits, mm. and bitter melon is what you want to start off with. Yeah, look, I do, and I just want to emphasise to, to listeners again that at the end of the day, the great Greek philosopher Hippocrates was right when he said food is your best medicine. Yep. And I think it's a lesson that we have to take on board today because in the Western world, health seemingly is increasingly based on drugs, pharmaceuticals, supplements, the idea of seeing nature providing us with remedies at a food level is something that I contend is increasingly being forgotten. Mm -hmm. And yet every day in practice, I see evidence of where people have taken on board some of the information that we've even spoken about on this program and had some dramatic results. And yesterday was a good example of what I'm talking about, and that's what stimulated me today to talk about bitter melon, a vegetable not well-known to us Anglos, but well-known to our lovely migrant population, particularly the Philippine people and and Indian people. I was just about to ask where bitter melon's from. (laughs) Well, you haven't haven't tasted it? You haven't seen it? I don't think I have, Oh, well, look, it's becoming more popular, and I hope it becomes more popular after today because I contend literature sees me right, Clinical practice proved me right. The historical use of the vegetable, please be right, it is one of the most remarkable foods which, if continually taken regularly as a food, can have dramatic effects in helping people battle the onset of diabetes or help people battle their type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance. In fact, in fact, so important is it that in India, for instance, it's referred to as the plant insulin. Now, it's not insulin, yep. but it is so successful in, in, uh, in populations in India and in the Philippines for its assistance in keeping blood sugar levels down that it is colloquially referred to in that terminology. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about it because it is a vegetable, it is a food, mm-hmm. it is available in this country, and if you have Indian or, or Filipino neighbours, yep. go in and ask them how to prepare it because it's easily prepared. They would love to do it for you. Beautiful people, the Filipinos and the Indians. They bring to us some ideas on food and using food for health problems that we desperately need. And rather than people drift straight away onto diabetic medication, even the early stuff, which I admit very safe and good, I contend there is room for looking at diet, looking at foods in particular, foods in particular, 
which have demonstrable and an historic use in lessening the climb in the blood sugar levels. Right. Is it green? I'm trying to think about it. Yes, look, if people haven't (laughs) seen it, um, if you go into uh, food stores, fruit shops, etc., you'll see it on many counters. It's like a large cucumber. It's green, but it has ridges um, down the, the outside of it. Not spikes, but ridges. So it's a cucumber... (laughs) <laughs> with a, with a, with a, a ridged edge, and um, uh, it is uh, remarkable in its use, as I've said, for helping to control the elevation of blood sugar in people that are trying to fight against uh, medication and to see their blood sugar come down. All right. Uh, if we've got any questions for Dennis Stewart, you can give us a call four nine two one six two one six. And first up today, we've got Ken from Eleanor Vale, and he's got a question about toenails. Ken. Hi, Dennis. How are you going? I'm very well, Ken. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Good. Listen, um, I know how to treat my toenails. Yes. I've been treating it with apple cider vinegar. Mm. And that, if you're persistent, mm. like three days a week to 10, 20 minutes a day, it mm. does clear them. But I believe there's something you take uh, for the internal germ. Like, is that true? Now, let me ask you a few questions, Ken. Uh, Are you indicating that you have infection around your toenails? No, the toenails have a fungus on them. Okay, so it's fungally infected. All right. There's a a couple of things that I would say here, and that is a a quiet perseverance with the uh, topical use of tea tree oil has a good reputation even in the literature in papers written by podiatrists in the past as being a useful agent in helping clear up this condition. So if you haven't been using uh, tea tree oil, um, I think you could be missing out on something that might uh, see a resolution of it and might give you a bit better result than what you're doing with the, uh, with the, uh, with, with the use of, of apple cider vinegar. So that, that's the first thing I would say. Um, the other thing is that sometimes uh, a herb known as myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H, is useful uh, for treating uh, mild infections. Uh, however, I would suggest before you do anything else, take my advice, get some tea tree oil, use that and see what that does before you turn it into a bigger drama. Okay, thank you. So you just apply that like a cream? Yeah, look, you can get it in, in various forms as an ointment, but in the past I've recommended to, to uh, listeners and to my patients that I just get a little bottle of tea tree oil from the pharmacy or the health food store and uh, just, uh, say, at night, just a little bit of cotton wool, dab it around uh, the area where the fungal infection is asserting itself and uh, do that regularly. Don't expect an immediate resolution of, of it, but if you persevere with it and see it as a regular thing, most in most occasions, I would contend, you'll get a good result. Okay, so there's there's not an internal germ in the body that causes this. Look, um, I'm not a pathologist. You'd you'd have to ask ask your doctor, um, yeah. uh, someone more qualified than what I am. But there is obviously uh, some pathology there. It's been diagnosed as a as a, a fungal condition, has it? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, if it's a fungal condition, there's a pathology there. If it's a fungal condition around the toenail, you could take oral medication for it. Your doctor is better to prescribe anything that uh, is needed to treat internally any infection. But I would think that uh, the use topically uh, on this limited condition of tea tree oil w- would uh, give you a good result, Ken. All right, I thank you for your help, and I have been to your surgery a few times, and you're very helpful. Thanks for your help. Thank you, Ken. Bye-bye. And we've got Andrew from Heaton Greeter, and he wants to know about a herb, Dennis, you were talking about last week for menstrual problems. Andrew. Hello, how are you? Hello, Andrew. How can I help you? Dennis, my, my wife and I are both in our 60s. Yes. Um, and she's been having menstrual bleeds now. She's been to the doctors, they sent her into the hospital and they've inserted a, uh, a device which puts some chemical out of something, has about a six-month life, but she even feels that actually uh, increased the problem. It seems to be more consistent. It's not heavy, please, but it's obviously very frustrating. That's where it has as a 64-year-old woman. Um, but, yeah, would that um, by tax or whatever it was you were talking about last week help with Okay, Andrew, I'll, I'll ask one or two questions and I'll, I'll give you a, a better an- answer as a result. Uh, you say you and your wife are over 60, so yep. she's uh, well and truly past the uh, menopause, and you, you, yep. say, you say she's uh, still bleeding. And is the yes, it, it started again. If you had stopped, yes. it started again, yes. Okay, and she's been, she's been investigated? And the the, um, the medical profession or the investigators, uh, the physicians have determined that there is uh, no abnormality there that could uh, be problematical or requiring any sort of surgical intervention? No, they've done their investigation like that and done their little bit of a scrape and whatever else, yes. Okay. Look, I mentioned a herb last week uh, called Vitex agnus castus. It's commonly yep. known as chaste tree, and I have free, uh, frequently said on this program that I consider it to be one of the most significant uh, remedies for many problems that, that ladies experience, particularly with reference to their cycle. It's primarily uh, used uh, for addressing, if you like, symptoms that assert themselves in what we loosely refer to as the, the last stage of the cycle or what's called the luteal phase of the cycle where some ladies experience symptoms such as bloating, um, uh, cravings for food, skin problems, uh, irritability, etc., etc., where it works remarkably well. However, however, uh, Vitex is also considered to have some benefit in levelling out, or what we refer to in our profession, as balancing the hormones. Uh, now, from this perspective, from this perspective, it may be useful uh, for your dear wife to have a, a go, if you like, at taking a good uh, preparation of Vitex Agnus Castus uh, if the bleeding condition has anything to do with some hormone imbalance that still lingers in her post-menopausal cycle. I think it would be a reasonable um, herb to try. Having said that, uh, other herbs have a significant use also um, in abnormal uh, bleeding processes in, in women, and they range from herbs like, for instance, shepherd's purse. 
Shepherd's Purse is, is a very popular herb that's prescribed in Western herbalism for abnormal menstrual bleeding, and it's frequently prescribed also with the herb stinging nettle in a liquid preparation or in a herbal tea base. However, I think it's worthwhile giving Vitex agnus castus a trial. You've cleared the deck. There's nothing there that's sinister. It is a functional condition. It may have some relationship uh, to, a, to a slight or a mild hormonal imbalance. If Vitex uh, is going to do anything, it should be able to assert itself fairly quickly. And I'm talking about over a number of months, you might well expect to see a, a, a condition uh, take up if it's going to be the herb of choice. I would see it as being useful. It has, as far as I'm aware, it has no uh, downside to it. It is what I consider to be the most important herb, uh, as I've said earlier, for female problems. Andrew, I would, uh, I would recommend that you discuss it with your dear wife and, and she should then in turn perhaps mention it to a GP, but it's a very safe herb and very easily procured from your pharmacy, your health food store, or from your local naturopath. Could you say that again, Andrew? The object, the, the control mechanisms I've inserted, which has about a six-month life um, with its chemical or whatever it disperses, um, is it safe to start trying the Vitex now or do we have to wait for that to be taken out? And so what you're saying is that your wife's presently under medical uh, treatment? Yep. Okay. Look, my advice would be um, let that treatment conclude and let's hope that it does the job, so to speak. Um, I see Vitex being, if you like, as a remedy that could be useful if the medical approach to it uh, has not given a result. Having said that, if you were to go down the pathway of using Vitex, the ethical and correct thing to do is to run it past your GP so he can be aware of what's going on. As I said, it's a very safe substance. Let's hope the medical approach does the job for her. If not, I would be uh, enthusiastic uh, to recommend a trial on the Vitex. Right, uh, well, the medical approach actually seems to have um, increased the problem in its duration rather than easing it off. Okay, so, well, yeah. then, w w what you need to do, of course, and the ethical thing and the right thing to do uh, would be to discuss this more with your GP or whoever's managing it, a gynaecologist or whomever, and if they concur with you that the treatment, in fact, is not doing what it's supposed to do and, and are prepared to cease the treatment, that's the time when I would uh, be keen to see Vitex being used. Right Thanks, Thanks Andrew. Help. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, before we get to Greg from Lambton, Dennis, I just did a quick internet search in the break there about a bit of lemon. Oh, did you really? And it... One of the things come up is it says that it can help reduce belly fat. Surely not. Um, okay. <laughs> One's immediate response would be a little bit cynical, but bitter melon does affect one's metabolism. Okay, yeah. And this is reflected in its benefits for type 2 diabetics or people who are battling type 2 and who usually, not always, but may well carry a fair amount of body weight, full stop, some of yep. which may be 
distributed around the abdomen. Yep. So what might seem a little bit uh, optimistic initially, if you work it through and see the metabolic consequences of using bitter melon regularly, as many ethnic communities do, mm. that may explain why you don't see the same degree of obesity, uh, overweight conditions amongst these ethnic populations that we do as Anglos. There may be something in it. If you, if listeners really want to follow it through, and I'm not suggesting they need to, but if you follow it through and look at what we call the pharmacology mm-hmm. of how it works, there is perhaps a reasonable explanation as to how its metabolic consequences does affect uh, that terrible and horrible condition of, of, <laughs> of, of, of <laughs> belly fat. Right, so... It could work, is what you're saying. Yeah, look, I do, I do believe that. Um, I could talk all day about this because I've had a lot to do with it. In fact, I developed uh, a product of bitter melon in, in a powdered form for those that don't want to uh, eat the vegetable, and I'm suggesting they should. You can purchase it as a powdered preparation, which mm-hmm. is the same as the, the vegetable, except that it's dehydrated. Yep. And one of my best results in recent times uh, of using it, a case yesterday, uh, was a gentleman who whose wife actually grows the vegetable. He's not real keen on it. She is. It grows in the backyard. Yep. But he uses my powdered bit of melon with, with a great result in seeing his blood sugar levels come right within a manageable range and without his having to drift up to uh, first-line medications such as metformin. Well, there you go. It's mm. a, bit of a bit of a wonder for it. <laughs> well, it is. And uh, remember, Hippocrates is probably the wisest man in the history of Western civilization, the great Greek philosopher that he was. He made the comment, food is your best medicine. We should listen to him. Okay, we've got Greg now from Lambton, and he's got a question about eye health. Greg. Yes. Hello, Greg. Hello. Thank you, Dennis, for talking. I love your show. Thank you. Um, I'm thinking about eye health. Yes. Um, my elderly father suffers from macular degeneration. Yes, yes. Has also had two cataracts removed. Yes. And my mother, before passing, also had two very severe cataracts yes. removed. Yes, yes. And look, I was wondering if there's any herb or supplement that could help with um, prevention. Look, I, I, my optometrist has also said that it's starting in my own eyes. Okay. I, I could only briefly comment on this, but... I have said it on this program before. I have lectured on it over many years. I contend that the preparation of bilberry, the the sophisticated preparations of bilberry. Now, you say sophisticated. What do you mean by that? That is, uh, bilberry, which can be eaten and is eaten, it's also basically the same family as blueberry, is eaten and and, um, is a pleasant uh, a food to eat. My wife has it every morning for her breakfast. But it has been shown that uh, this particular fruit or herb, if you like to call it that, contains a bracket of what are called bioflavonoids, which are known yeah. as anthocyanidins. And that gives the bilberry its, 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 its black or dark blue colour, anthocyanidins. Mm-hmm. Now, these anthocyanidins subsequent to experiencing the benefit of bilberry during the Second World War by, by British bomber pilots. After the war, it was uh, the, the, the fruit it was investigated and it was shown that the anthocyanidins did actually have a, a, a benefit effect generally 
on eyesight, particularly night vision problems. But what they did was do a preparation so that in the medicinal form in which it's used today, uh, there is something like 24% of the anthocyanidins. In other words, the, the preparations of bilberry used in, in medicine, particularly in our system of medicine, have been standardised around a particular level of anthocyanidins, which is considered to be uh, pretty well necessary to get the results particularly in conditions, and I say in some conditions of uh, macular degeneration and uh-huh. diabetic retinopathy. And I have said, and I'll say it again, I believe it is a, a potentially very useful agent for addressing the onset of those conditions and other conditions that are lurking in the background. If there's any one herb that I would consider as having a, a potentially useful effect in resisting many ophthalmological conditions, those which we've just mentioned, yes. it would be the bilberry. I would see that as a pretty important substance uh, for you with your problem, and I don't know a lot about it. It's yes. v- very, very harmless, obviously, and I think the eating of the, of, the, of the fruit is wonderful, but for medicinal purposes, and I have prescribed it for medicinal purposes uh, for probably 30 years of my professional life, uh, use the standardised preparation. Is there a dosage? Yes, there is, there, there is a dosage, and I should have. If I'd have known we were going to talk about it, I'd, I'd have brought. The, <laughs> I'd have brought the preparation that I use for my rooms in my rooms at New Lambton. Um, it is a tableted preparation, so um, I, don't hold me to it. But the preparations we use at the clinic in New Lambton are one to two tablets taken daily. Okay, then wonderful. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thank you, Greg. Have a lovely day. Thank you. We've got Faye now from Cessnock, and she wants to know, does warm lemon drink at night help increase in iron intake from foods? Hello, Faye. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Well, I'm still vertical, Faye. <laughs> I love listening to you. I listen to you in the car, and I can finally get hold of you now. Well, there you go. Well, you come from probably the most important city in Australia. Good old Cessnock. Great oh, place. Yeah. I've got to give yeah, it a plug. Yeah. Give it. I've got to give it a plug. It's one of the most pleasant and developing cities in Australia. I'm glad to be associated with it. All my forebears were. And if you're a young person wanting to try to get a start, drift up the valley. It only takes you about three quarters of an hour to get there now. Wonderful place. There you go. How can I help you, Faye? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely love this. Um, now, I've... I'm in it, I've only just barely hit just over 60. You're only now, baby. I've been, yeah, um, yeah, I'm just 61. Um, they were saying to, you know, to increase your iron level, even though I don't know why I need it, because I don't, I've over that area. Um, to increase your iron intake, you have a warm lemon drink at night with your dinner and any iron that's in your food, your body absorbs it better. Is that true? Okay, look... Uh, I'd have to think around that. What I, what I would say is this. Uh, lemon drink or lemon is a very bitter uh, substance and bitter substances, whether they be uh, lemons or other bitter substances, are used in herbal medicine to promote uh, a better digestive process a better um, process of digestion in the upper part of the gut, particularly uh, the stomach. 
So it could be that what we call the bitter principles in lemon enhance the digestive process and therefore, particularly with reference to protein, improve perhaps the uptake of iron from the protein that you're ingesting. I can't say much more than that. Is your iron level low? Um, it, it was just, just getting it. Okay. Well, look, uh, you do you do you do, do, if you don't mind me asking, do you, do you eat meat? Oh yeah, okay. I love my steak. Oh yeah. Do you eat uh, do you eat uh, lamb's fry or liver? Oh yeah, no. You don't, <laughs> mate. Oh yeah, no. Well, I'll, I'll tell you something, Faye. I I once upon a time would would faint even at the thought of of eating lamb's fry or liver. But my dear wife, she uh, her. Ancestry goes back to the New England area. Her parents were farmers. And on the land, um, anything that you killed, you ate every part of it. I mean every part of it. So when I started courting my wife in this town many, many years ago, um, I was introduced to her family and very quickly introduced to the food that they used in the New England Plateau where they killed their own meat, and very frequently would, I would sit down to, to lamb's fry and I had to eat it, had to eat it. I dare not offend her dear mother. So by the end of the courtship, I actually liked lamb's fry, and I still do. I purchased it from a lovely little butcher shop down in Bellbird, opposite the Bellbird pub. He has really good uh, lamb's fry, and I get some from my wife, and uh, we have a feed of it. She does it in a particular way. I love it. Get into a feed of, of um, lamb's fry. Get to love it. Uh, you can, if you like, use, take your lemon juice. Lemon juice is good for you. It cleans the liver out. And, oh, good. Well, that's good. And also, and, and also what it will do is keep you regular. Okay. And your beautiful knowledge, like... Um, I've got really good. My husband and I have great reports from our doctors. You know, we've got no problems. We are no medication good, or anything. Good, 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 good. Um, we regularly take garlic. We take a garlic tablet every night. Good. And we take two magnesium tablets because of um, yeah, getting old and you know being active. It's, yeah. Is there any um, foods like we love our veggies? Yes. My husband absolutely loves his veggies and fruit. I'm not much of a yeah. fruit eater. Is there um, any vegetable and that that you can um, you know eat a fair, fair bit more than we normally would to help with the magnesium intake, or is there? Oh, you know, look, not much ma ma magnesium is dirt cheap, so to speak. Um, yeah. it's it's useful for for cramps. Um, I don't think um, you need to bypass getting some magnesium in a, in a supplement form. It's easier than trying to cultivate it in your garden. Oh, and, and there's yeah. no one vegetable that I'm aware of that can give you yeah. the level of magnesium. But look, you and your husband uh, are obviously in good shape. Um, yeah. You're, you're living in the best part of the world. Um, what, I, what I said to you, I tell you what, the Cessna Council will have to make sure I'm looked after after giving this program on the program. <laughs> <laughs> right? but, but look, one of the things you need to do is start and grow and this goes for all listeners, start to grow some bitter melon. Bitter melon. Yeah, I've been listening to that. Okay. I also want to know the good thing about tomatoes because I love tomatoes. I'm gonna, I was going to talk about tomatoes today, but <laughs> I'll take it up next week because 
just as this uh, bitter melon is a remarkable food for lessening blood sugar levels and therefore potentially very useful for, for populations of, of, of big people, and uh, the, we've got big people up the valley, as you know, type oh, 2 yeah. diabetes uh, should be, in my opinion, at one level anyway, um, helped by encouraging people to grow, to purchase or to use even powdered bitter melon. But next week, uh, I was going to do it today, I'll talk about the remarkable, and I emphasise the remarkable medicinal properties of a particular substance in the tomato known as lycopene. I'll talk about it uh, from the point of view of seeing it as being useful in, in the helping of our good doctors offset diabetes, or, I'm sorry, offset uh, early blood pressure, and also, more importantly, and this might apply to you, but it could apply to your husband, as one of the most necessary vegetables, I would argue, for fighting that terrible condition that we males uh, look down the barrel at, and that's prostate cancer and prostate enlargement. I'll talk about tomatoes next week. Okay, cool. I'll listen to that. And as I said, I love listening to your program. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very, very much. And whereabouts is your offices in Chestnut? I remember you saying you got one up here in Chestnut. Oh, look, uh, I just wandered around the street just talking about it. Okay, so if I see a, uh, an old out. gentleman walking around with a book in his hand, would that be you? Well, well, yeah, but look, look for look for a, a discrepant person with a, with a a walking stick who walks around in daggy gear, whose shoes I purchased from Vinnie's. Great people they are. It's, uh, so you probably won't recognise me, and I do that deliberately because I don't want people to recognise me. <laughs> well, you'll have a lovely day, okay. and thank you very All much. All right, yeah, good on you. It's Health Naturally on 2NURFM. We've got time for a one more call. We've got Marie from Merriweather. Now, she's been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and she wants to know if bitter melon is suitable for her. Hello, Marie. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Todd. How are you going? Thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure. Marie, you've got type 1 diabetes and um, technically speaking, I, I can't say too much about that. That is a condition that your doctor is rightly uh, capable and capable only of looking after you with. You'd be on medication, that's fine. Look, bitter melon may be worthwhile discussing with your GP, who these days has got access to the literature via the net. Logically, logically, I think it could be useful, particularly if you're looking at uh, elevation of your medication. In other words, other medications being added to what you're taking, it could be useful in that area. It's not something that I'm permitted uh, to treat, and and I understand that, and I accept that. Um, It's necessary for the medical profession to have this in their domain because people die if type 1 diabetes is not well managed. However, this does not alter the fact that bitter melon may have a role to play in the context of helping the medical management of type 1 diabetes and may have a role to play in augmenting the medication that your good doctor has you on or perhaps even stopping the uh, elevation of medication to to stronger or other uh, agents to take for your condition. Discuss it with him. I I would be happy to provide uh, your, your doctor or yourself with information on bitter melon 
I tend I tend to think that it could have a role to play. You're 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 young. You're only fifty two. Anything you do by way of food and diet could only help your condition. Thanks, Dennis. I was I was diagnosed fifty two, and I'm yep. fifty nine now, so only seven years ago. Yep. And yep. Um, you're I only managed a baby. <laughs> I managed with an insulin pump and the yeah. help of the Hunter Diabetes Centre, so I will raise it with them, but I did a quick Google and it said there could be some side effects if you are on other medications. That's correct. That's yeah. One of the side effects being that it may upset your diabetes by altering it and bringing it a, a down, which may not be understood mm. uh, and, and may interfere with what you're doing. That's why I'm saying if you're on medical treatment, you must of necessity run anything additional to it through those that are managing you. I appreciate all that. I just really wish there was some natural way to help with type 1. Thank you. Good on you, Marie. Thanks again. Bye for now. Bye. Cheers. Thank you, Marie. Well, Dennis Stewart, we're just about running out of time for another week of Health Naturally. What a pity. I've learned a lot today about bitter melon. Well, I bet you did. You had it up on the screen. I did, yeah. You've got to go and buy some, you told me. Well, yes, yes, apparently. More often buy the seeds, I think, because it does look like a lot of supermarkets around here. I'll bring you in a packet of my powdered bitter melon, which is a useful substitute. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.